0: This episode is supported by Bounty Kitchen, one of my absolute favorite Seattle restaurants. Bounty Kitchen is no joke, an extension of my own kitchen, except that there's so much fresh, local, organic, and tasty stuff on the menu that it takes me forever to decide what I want. The good news is you literally can't go wrong. Check out greens, beans, and grains dishes like the braised beef bowl, or dive into the vegan and dairy-free Marrakesh Market Bowl, or try one of my personal favorites for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the Hot liquor bowl. There are also soups, salads, sandwiches, scrambles, and of course, toast, all infused with the deep love and commitment of founder and co-owner and my friend, Meg Trainer and her team. Visit Bounty Kitchen at 7 Boston Street in Seattle's Queen Anne neighborhood or at 801 Lenora Street in Denny Triangle. And check out my interview with Meg on the podcast last year to learn more about her personal health journey and the inspiration behind Bounty Kitchen.
1: When we're around the table with girlfriends, it's more like like any topic is on the table, including sex, more than money, usually, and especially in the past. But I think that's opening up a bit and uh, still feels like a brave thing to do to open up.
0: Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive coach and lifestyle expert, Lara Dolch. And each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Hey, podcast listeners. Happy Tuesday. Hope you're having a good week so far. Quick update about my Women on the Rise listener survey. I know you've been hearing me talk about it for weeks. The last day to submit your feedback about the podcast is Tuesday, March 12th. So if you haven't shared your thoughts yet, please do that now by visiting lauradolch.com slash podcast survey. Podcast survey is all one word. That link will take you straight to a Google form with just a few questions. I know you're busy, but I'm coming up on about... 50 or so full episodes, and I need your feedback to figure out where to take the podcast next. I'd consider it a personal favor if you hit pause right now and took a few minutes to go fill out the survey at LaraDalch.com slash podcast survey. Thank you so much. It really does help me out. So today we're talking about money. How do you feel when you think about money? Excited? Ashamed? Overwhelmed? Calm? Content? Whether you admit it or not, engaging with your money, truly understanding where you stand financially, even if you're not where you want to be, has a profound effect on your well-being. There's nothing more stressful than feeling anxious about your financial security or unsure about how to manage the money you do have. As a small business owner and a single woman, I'm intimately familiar with periods of financial stress, and there's still a dearth of financial education for women. We often sweep money talk under the rug out of fear or shame or overwhelm, but you know what? As soon as I put on my big girl panties and look at my money situation, just look at it. I always feel a hundred times better because when you get brave and look clearly at where you are, you can more clearly create a roadmap for where you want to go, whether that's sipping champagne in Paris or donating your time and money to causes you believe in getting real about your financial health is as important as getting real about your physical health. So I encourage you to stop hiding from your money and start looking at it. I promise you'll feel better. And today's episode will help you begin doing that no matter what your relationship to money is right now. My guest this week is socially responsive investment advisor and certified financial planner, Carrie Van Winkle. Carrie and I met last year in a business mastermind group, and I've been wanting to bring her on the podcast for a while now. She works with women and couples who want their money lives to reflect an approach that's both smart and soulful so that they're able to thrive while also creating a positive impact in the world. Many of Carrie's clients are women who have found themselves with sudden money from an inheritance, a divorce, insurance proceeds, and are experiencing some overwhelm or analysis paralysis and want to take steps forward in their money life in a way that feels true to who they are. Carrie and I talked about why talking about finances is still a cultural taboo and how to change the conversation, where to find real and brave conversations about money, the psychological cost of not being in tune with your financial health and how it creates unnecessary stress regardless of your financial situation, how to uncover your personal money story and how it helps you shift your energy around money, and of course, Carrie's personal self-care journey and how she's learning to draw healthier boundaries after years of putting her needs last. I know you'll love Carrie as much as I do. Enjoy the interview. Yeah, so Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. I, um, you know, obviously you and I have known each other for a little while, although we've never met in person, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, is not thing? yet. Yeah, exactly. Not yet of having sort of um, remote collaborators, but uh, you know, I I do this. What I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, I, I do this exercise with my clients in my coaching program called the Circle of Life, and the idea is that you know we get nourishment from a lot more than just food. And, and, you know, that all of those things need to feel satisfying if we're to be optimally well. And finances is, of course, one of the pie pieces in that circle. And so, you know, that's really, you know, I think it's important, especially um, as we move into the beginning of the year to talk about the financial piece of the pie. How do you think finances fit into the larger conversation about wellness and self-care?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's an important and powerful question and one that I'm glad you're talking about and others are starting to talk about more. And in some ways, you know, you might have heard this said before that in some ways it's kind of the last taboo for mm. our society, you know, um in some ways. I've heard people say they're and actually I've seen this with people that when we're around the table with girlfriends, it's more like like any topic is on the table, including sex, more than money, usually, mm-hmm. and especially in the past. But yeah. I think that's opening up a bit and uh, still feels like a brave thing to do to open up. You know, even me and my work, when I, uh, I have friends that I'm in masterminds with, and I know a particular friend that we've shared a lot with our businesses and growing our businesses and all of that. And I remember like braving that territory with her, just saying, like, this is how much I made in my business and this is how much I brought home in my personal, you know, income from the business. And that just felt so brave to do yeah. that. But to get more to the heart of your question about wellness, you know, and money, I believe that in order for us to truly thrive as whole beings, we have to have a healthy relationship with money. It's just a fact of our society that money touches almost everything that is in our life in some way. It affects almost everything, you know, and so our relationship with it is very important because it's really something that can help us every day or drain and stress us out every day.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, and and, you know, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, just quickly going back to what you are saying about the... Hesitation to talk about actual numbers. You know, I think that's like a self worth thing or something. Is Is that what you like in terms of why we have that taboo still? Do you think that's part of it? What's going on there? Well,
1: I think it's still one of those areas that we're in the earlier stages of opening up an honest conversation about people's real money life in real money situations, whether it be their personal money life or their business or both. And that's like, I'm so hungry for those conversations. I love Barry Tesler, the author of The Art of Money, Kate Northrup, the author of Money, A Love Story. They're two leaders, I think, that are out there that are opening up these conversations. And I love hearing those conversations. I'm hungry for them because they still feel kind of new, like we're still beginning in that territory of having real conversations about money. And I think it's one of those areas that still feels very much like I'm judging my internal real life to your external presentation of your life, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and to your point, you know, about the the wellness piece of it, it's like, you know, we can be uncomfortable talking about money and we can ignore our financial situation, if it's not what we want it to be, or we can sort of feel, I don't know, like even shame about having more money than other people that we know, whatever the situation is, we can sort of very easily put that in the back of our mind. And I think there's a, there's like a psychic cost to that. And what I mean by psychic cost, I mean, Mm -hmm. like, you know, just a psychological cost to that. Right. And that's where the wellness piece of it comes into me. I know that for me, you know, when I, I'm more in tune with my financial situation, whether it's where I want it to be or not, I feel so much more relaxed. Like I literally could have like, you know, very little money in the bank, but as long as I know where I am and what I need to do, I'm kind of like good. Is that is that your experience as well? Mm, I'm nodding. <laughs> I'm sitting here <laughs> nodding. Uh,
1: it's yeah, like you it yeah. where you are. Yeah. Well. There's something about feeling like you're on top of it, whatever it is, you know, and I think that is, uh, and then also I think there's like the stress of something that feels more abstract, unknown, at arm's length, you know, and I think we just, a lot of us for a long time have kept money in a, you know, as this more abstract, unknown arm's length kind of thing in our life And not kept it up close and clear and had, you know, one of my things that I want to help, especially women have in their life is a, is to be able to confidently engage with money. And so engage is a key word there, just um, being able to regularly engage so that it's not abstract. It's, you know, you know what you've got and it informs then your everyday choices. And then back to your point about, shame and self-judgment, that's huge. And I see that all the time with clients. And I know that's a bigger thing out there too. And particularly women, I have had so many of my women clients in that first meeting that we've had say things like, I have never, no one knows this about me. I would be so embarrassed if anyone knew this, you know, I'm, I still so much shame around this or words that indicate that you know they're really hard on themselves very self-judging and um do carry that around which like you said you you said it's a psychic I forget the term you use there yeah a psychic cost and I think it's huge and it's like this fish in water we don't even realize we're living with that and we don't have to live with
0: that yeah yeah how do you what would you say to listeners who feel like maybe they're not engaged with their money at all? What what are, you know, the first couple steps that you would recommend women taking to to reengage or to engage for the first time?
1: Yeah, so depending on the person. So, you know, I am a financial planner and investment advisor. So I do nitty gritty nuts and bolts work with people in their money life. At the same time, I really bring a whole person approach to the work. So there's space to bring your whole self, you know, into the work with me. And that means your values and your worries. And, you know, it's not therapy what we do, but it's, <laughs> it's um, very supportive of your whole self, you know, and so, with that, some people need to um take some space to engage with their money with their relationship with money first. So it might be that, you know, I think of like books or what what are they gonna bring into their life to help support them in engaging in a new way with their money. So the books might look more like the energy of money or Barry Tesla's Art of Money or things that will really help them, depending on your personality, I think this can really be a helpful place to start where you're exploring more or reflecting on or uncovering, you know, what is your money story? What's your inherited relationship with money? What Mm -hmm. messages did you get as a child related to money? Things like that and starting there. And that doesn't have to be a huge long process, but, but that could be an hour or two set aside to just read a bit and then do some reflection and journaling about that. Um, Or it could be a conversation you have with your partner or a good friend where you both just explore that and share that, you know, that's all it has to look like you could take much longer and dive deeper into it. But I think that helps create a shift in the energy, the feeling that you have, Uh, related to your money life, which then really helps people take that next step, which is getting into more of the nuts and bolts. And really with the nuts and bolts, I'd say the bravest first step there is to get the big picture. And that's one of the things that I first do with clients in in our first appointment together is we just look at their big picture. And it's a, you know, no judgment. And that's even something you could tell your, you know, they could tell themselves like, this is not a space I'm going to where I'm going to try not to be judgmental here, hard on myself. Let's just look at this. So what are all of your assets? What are, you know, your bank account, any investment accounts, retirement account, anything that you can keep it super simple, pad of paper, just list your assets. And this is really powerful too, if you can do it with a partner, because a lot of times together, you have never done this or it's been a while. Um, and then look at your debts and that could inform what the next steps might be for you. So that's, that's just some ideas. There are all kinds of ways to enter the ocean of, you know, <laughs> uh, going a little deeper with your money work, but th- those are a couple of thoughts.
0: Yeah, No, I love that. And that, that's very much in line with, you know, my experience. I mean, I grew up, my father um, is a retired partner with Deloitte and so, you know, money. Oh, okay. yep. <laughs> yeah. So money, like, you know, I've always, I think been, not always, but on top of my money, but I'm a little more, I think I've always been a little more on top of it than, you know, some people having said that, you know, one of the books that I found really helpful is to add to your list, which of course I'll put links in the show notes, but is, um, Amanda Steinberg's worth it. Oh yeah. Um, yes. I found super helpful in, you know, sort of stepping back and getting clear on, you know where my money was going, and was it in in alignment with my values? Which I also want to talk to you a little bit more about. Is you know I know that that's a big piece of your work is helping people invest money in alignment with their core values. And it's a, it's a conversation that I've had with a number of guests recently. The whole values thing. Do you have any tips for identifying your core values? Because I feel like we get stuck there sometimes.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I try to keep things, especially in my work, where things can get feel complicated and overwhelming when you're dealing with money, you're talking about investments, you know. So I try to keep things as easy and simple where possible. And I think values, the way I start the values conversation with people early in our work together is really helping them first see like, where are you already expressing your values in your life? what matters to you? Because if I just ask that question, what and I have, you know, what matters to you? Or I have also have a big list of like four pages of areas of values that can be reflected in socially responsible investing. So you know I, I have these kinds of tools there, but they can be overwhelming for people. So I have found just to go to where where are you already reflecting your values to show it matters. So that might look like, where are you donating money? Are you donating to protect, protect forest, um, support national parks? You know, are you mm-hmm. concerned about climate change? Are you donating money to help, uh, mothers and their children in certain kinds of ways? So I just, and then I listen, I listen to where they're putting some focus and then why they're putting focus there. We talk through that. Another thing is, so that was donating money, but another big area that we're already expressing values is how we spend money. Now Mm -hmm. we're not, you know, none of this is about being perfect at all. And so you could probably say, well, I could spend my money more in line with my values. And that's true for all of us. But most of the people I talk to kind of get to me and, and it's been shown like research has shown women particularly are already doing this more naturally you know so in some way how we're spending our money does reflect our values so it might be that our values are in a like we our family is important to us our loved ones are important to us and so that's where we put money so then we dive into that a little bit more or how we buy our clothes you know are we consciously buying clothes in a certain way that reflects values are we, buying food in a certain way. That's a big one, probably, Laura, that you could do a deep dive in. You know, how people, (laughs) you know, where you get your food, who grew your food, how did they grow it, who harvested it, you know, all of those things. And some people go really deep into that kind of thing. And other people do take action, but it's not uh, like super deep. And that's fine. So I just, I try to get, where are you at with this? And that helps inform the kind of, for me and my work, it helps inform good match as far as the kind of socially responsive investing we do together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely have found that an interesting exercise to look at where my money goes and just see if it matches up with my values. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. And it's, um, I find that super helpful in terms of prioritizing where to spend my money. And, you know, that was really transformative for me too, to, to kind of get clear on that. So thank you for sharing some of those mm-hmm. um, those tools so you know of course I I love to talk to my guests about self-care and, and how it works for them personally so I'm curious about other areas of your life that you personally consider vital to your well-being at this point in your life so other areas besides finances
1: yeah so for me right now like right now this year you know today where I've kind of gotten on my self-care journey I think you know coming from a place where like a lot of people a lot of women in particular I think are not great at self-care they didn't have great models around self-care you know it was just do do bleed bleed you know take take what you can take from me I'll I'll just be in service you know I did that in my work I did that in my personal life and so really being on this journey of understanding what healthy boundaries are for me that's a big thing that I'm still working on and exploring and learning about myself. And part of that right now is my voice. So I think of myself as like this um true blue feminist, you know, and have been have identified that way since college. and and so I didn't really think of myself as not having a full voice, but I've just realized this was in the last year of kind of new layers of self-care that. Yeah. Wow. I'm not expressing myself clearly in my personal life in the way that people need me to. And I'm not, you know, I think it's partly being a Southern woman, you know, (laughs) uh, we're taught to be like more, less direct, that you'll be too abrasive, you know, different things that Mm -hmm. culturally just I've been immersed in. And so that's a big one for me, how I use my voice, both in my work, and then also in my personal life in relationships.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, wow, that's a big yeah. deal. And yeah, I can totally relate to that having been raised in the south too. It is it's such an interesting yeah. thing too because then at the same time there's this whole like steel magnolias, you know, um framework of very strong southern women because southern women are very strong and yet at the same time there's this message that you know, you don't necessarily speak out. Um And I can totally relate to that. So as you've kind of been exploring this, are there any habits that you have now that have contributed to your ability to show up in that way? I would say maybe it's a practice of reflection
1: and then just being brave and saying it, you know, just saying more. And realizing like there's a lot in my head that never gets said and more <laughs> of that needs more more of that needs to get out, you know? And so I have somebody that I'm working with on that that helps me become more aware of that and then helps me figure out ways that I can be able to express more clearly needs and wants and what matters to me and why it matters and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And and then something fun because I Uh, Emma one on the Enneagram. Have we talked about the Enneagram?
0: Oh, Enneagrams. You know, I, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's, I don't even know how to describe, can you actually explain what it is? Like I've seen it, but I can't explain it.
1: (laughs) So it's kind of a a personality typing, if you will accept that word, (laughs) but a personality typing, it's non-different kind of general personality types. And a lot of people are familiar with like Myers-Briggs so, you know, I'm at INFJ I'm on the myers Briggs, but yeah, so the Enneagram, I'm a one. And so the one can often be a perfectionist. And I can also be serious and not prioritize fun. So mm-hmm. I can be like, I can work. And then that's part of, you know, like I love my business and I can do what other people might think are pretty nerdy things for fun, you know, (laughs) you know, like I think it's fun to like do certain things about business, but other people will be like, Oh, good Lord, you know, but I I do need like more pure fun in my life. And so I, I have started taking voice lessons. So that was something that it felt like, Ooh, this like is connected to this idea of me expressing myself, using my voice as the tool of expression there. And then also like, I mean, my first lesson, I just had it about a month ago and it was so fun for me to just sing and sing out and be more free, you know, and and comfortable singing and definitely an area of vulnerability for me. So it just felt like really good all around.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so inspiring for me um, in particular, because I sang growing up, like, you know, third grade all the way through, you know, high school and college. And It's a that that's a part of my life that I haven't engaged with in so long, and I always think I should take voice lessons again. I even have a friend who's a voice teacher. I mean, she's a musician and a voice teacher, (laughs) so I'm inspired. Good for you. I think that's yeah, yeah. And also, as you said, very much in alignment with this other thing that you're kind of working on in terms of expressing yourself more freely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, yeah. Has is there any kind of a specific self care habit that you Have tried to make or break that was especially difficult, whether you were making a new habit or breaking an old one?
1: Oh gosh, so many. (laughs) (laughs) So, most of them, yeah. I think one thing that I still will do someday consistently is meditate. I love it when I do it, but usually I've never had a, a consistent at home practice with meditating. I have to more just. Put myself in a situation where I will do it, which means, uh, like last year, I took a six week meditation class, you know? And so I was meditating then and I loved it. And it felt really like a good thing to bring into my life. And for me, it's not just about like, this is what I feel like I should be doing. It really truly is something that I feel like for me to be connected with my internal voice that that's the way, one of the important ways for me to listen, you know, so I know it's not for everybody, but it does feel like something important to me, but yeah, I've really struggled with the the practice of
0: it. (laughs) What's helped you, like when you are in the groove with it, like what, what do you think it is that helps you stay there?
1: Well, one of the things has been that accountability, external accountability to show up somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. and sit and, um, Not put it off. I can just be really bad about saying, you know, I'll get to that later. I'll do that later. I'll do that tomorrow. You know, I've got stuff to do right now. But then also, when I actually do sit at home, I think setting it up to make it easy to say yes in the moment or just easy to make it a no brainer in the moment. So the more I can do the things like, you know, set it up the night before, set the intention the night before, have whatever, you know, not much needs to be in place to sit and meditate. So to just, just have whatever I need there so that Mm -hmm. it's easier to get up. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, like I said, I've struggled a lot with it, doing it consistently, but that, that really does help. But my thing is thinking myself out of doing things, you know, so if I can make it a no brainer, that helps a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, I love that. Creating the framework that makes it easy to say, yes, that's uh that's a great way to think of it. Thank you so much for taking the time, Carrie. This has been so great. Where can people learn more about you and your work?
1: At CarrieVanwinkle.com. Uh you can connect to me there. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and on Instagram. So, I'd be happy to connect with anyone in Lara's community.
0: Oh, you're so, so sweet. And I'll put all those links in the in the show notes for sure. Um, But yeah, thank you again.
1: Thanks, Laura. It's a great show. I love your podcast.
0: Oh, you're so sweet. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit laradolchcom slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lauradolch.com slash podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. It's a huge help to the show, and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media.